Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, we hear a message from Pastor Chris Schuster titled, The Whisper of God. All right. Hey, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Have you grown weary of being thankful yet? No way. No way. I hope you never do. Come on back. Church isn't over yet. And for all of you Christmas lovers, congratulations. You're officially a month away. That's pretty wild. Who's been listening to Christmas music already? Yes. Who's been listening to Christmas music since Hallmark Channel's Christmas in July? Yeah. There's a few. There's always a few. Who never stopped listening to Christmas music since last Christmas? Okay, there's a few in here. I love that. Who never took their Christmas lights down and you're happy about it right now? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's the way to do it. I, I don't understand. That's working smarter instead of working harder in my opinion. So I like that. I didn't even tell a joke, James. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing. That is so good. Well, I'm so stoked about this morning, and, uh, and I just have things on my heart that I want to share. And if you're a note taker, good luck this morning. And my desire, you guys, is that we just continue learning how to encounter Jesus in everything, and uh, especially even just in the Word. I pray that you encounter Jesus in the worship, but I pray that as the service progresses, your encounter just goes deeper and that God keeps giving you revelation and that we just keep encountering Jesus together. I love how it's almost like popcorn. Um, the way that we encounter God sometimes together is like the worship starts and I don't know, my parents had one of those like, what's that even called? Those Presto Pop deals or whatever, you know, like stand, sit on the counter, pop, seeds go in. Butter goes on after, but right, the thing starts up and it sounds like a vacuum going and air popper. Thank you, James. And one by one, those kernels start to like pop, 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 pop. And I love how God works even in the context of, of the church that I think sometimes in, a, in our service, that's what's happening. Some of you already pop during worship, which is awesome. It's like Jesus was speaking to you. You were encountering God's presence. Um, others of us, we were still in that, but we didn't see the manifestation of it yet right? And I believe some of you are going to in the next 30 minutes that God still has so much to do inside of each one of us. And some of you are about to pop. Others of you who have already popped, you're about to get the butter all over you, okay? <laughs> the salt, the flavoring, whatever it is that you like, the movie theater style butter. I really believe it, that, that God is, he meets us where we are and we're all in this together. Brad Holt, who was here with us a few weeks ago, I don't remember if he shared this on Sunday, but we had the privilege of being with him during the week. I'm going to talk a little bit about what God did in my life during that week, but one of the things he said was really powerful to me. He just reminded us that regardless of what you are feeling when you're seeking the Lord, regardless of if you had an open vision or you just sat still in the peace of God, God was doing so much inside of you more than you could comprehend. So when we choose to give God our time, when we show up, when we give him space, and I'm not just talking about showing up on Sunday mornings, I'm talking about showing up day to day in our own hearts, when we show up and say, God, here's my space, here's my time for you, come and fill this place. When we do that, there's more going on inside of you than you're aware of. Can I have an amen? 
So whether or not you've felt God today or you didn't or you've been discouraged last week or you were full with Thanksgiving and family, God's moving inside of you as you give him your time, as you give him your attention and your focus. So just be encouraged in what God is wanting to do today. About a month ago, I started to feel in my spirit um, God just calling me higher. And here's what I mean. My normal level, and everybody's got a normal, my normal level of joy, of peace, of fulfillment day to day, of, you know, faith, it, everybody's got a normal. So I'm not talking about comparing with anybody else, but I know my normal, right? And for me, my normal's like here. And I thought like, I'm like pretty full. I feel like I'm pretty like filled up and like I'm doing pretty well. But God started to challenge me as I looked at the life of Jesus. Like Jesus' bar was like way up there. I can't reach it, right? But I started actually being convicted in my heart that I've put a cap on normal and I've gotten comfortable with, I'm pretty good. Like I, I, I feel God and I do like pretty good work for God. I hear his voice every once in a while. Like I'm at a pretty good place. But I felt God inviting me to take off my ceiling and raise the bar. Closer to Jesus' standard where he set the bar. We're supposed to be walking with more fullness of life, more joy, more love. I should be so connected to the Holy Spirit that it scares people around me. Right? Shadows healing should scare people. And I'm just getting convicted of this in my heart. Like, my normal is so low. Even my normal joy I've had people tell me, you know, like, oh, you're just so joyful. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I guess I do have the joy of the Lord. That's amazing. But, like, it's still way below the bar that Jesus set. So I think today is like an upgrade day, that today is an upgrade. God wants to upgrade everybody's walk with him. And I'm talking about personal relationship. I'm not talking about, like, coming to church and just encountering God. I'm talking about day-to-day that we have an upgrade in our walk with God, that all of a sudden what was normal yesterday, it, does, it doesn't satisfy us anymore. That we just recognize, God, I've been limiting you. I've been limiting your flow. You realize the kingdom has been, the word says, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom has been advancing by force. So God's kingdom has never slowed down. So when, it is, when I don't see God's kingdom in my life active, It's not because he's slowed it down or because we're in just a season of waiting for revival. That's not a thing. The kingdom is advancing and it continually has been since the days of John the Baptist and it never will stop advancing. So if I'm not seeing the kingdom playing out in my life, it's because something inside me is inhibiting the kingdom, right? God's desire, his will through me is kingdom in, kingdom out. So if there's a something, if, it's, if I'm not seeing it, it's not because we're waiting for God to do something. His kingdom's advancing by force, and the word, the, the word then says, and the violent take it by force. I'm not known as being a violent person, okay? Maybe some of you are. I'm not known as being a violent person, but I think in the spirit, to have a violence of this is the kingdom, and it has come near you. And God, the kingdom is going to come through my life. As we were singing that in Christ alone, holy buckets. Gabriel, could you put that song up in Christ alone? Just that first verse even. I was just like, oh, this is going to encourage some of you too. When I don't necessarily feel God in worship and I'm like, I don't feel connected to you. 
Sometimes I actually go to my mind and I start thinking. Instead of singing the songs, some of you do this naturally, I just start thinking about the words and I start thinking about, whoa, like, God, you've done this in my life. I remember when you did this in my life. So when we worship, you don't have to forsake your mind. Sometimes in the charismatic, we think like it's all emotional and if I'm not emotionally you know, connected all the time, it's, something's wrong with me. I don't think so. God uses our mind to actually draw us closer to him. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, the solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I start thinking about droughts and storms I've had in my life, right? I'm like, oh, God, and here I am today. Stronger, better, provided for. You are amazing. Let's go to the next verse. I think it was verse two. Christ on Duke That's so good. That made me think of Christmas. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Go to that next verse, Gabriel. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. I think we just sing this. We don't even get it. When I thought about that, oh, nothing that the enemy tries to attack us with can steal us from the hand of God, from his will, from his desire for us, from his favor. Do you realize that when we say, when I say, God, I want to like fulfill my destiny, I'm actually saying, I want to fulfill Jesus' destiny because it's the kingdom of Jesus coming through my life. So your destiny and you fulfilling your destiny is a lot more important than you. It's actually about the mission of Jesus being accomplished. It's a really big deal. No power of hell, no scheme of man. I just love this. Anything the enemy's tried to take from you, do you realize God wants to pick you up and use you as a weapon just to slaughter the enemy? Come on. The word even says... Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what establishing the kingdom looks like, is destroying the works of the devil. So I encourage you today, the places where you have felt like most weak, most beat up, most bruised, most struggle, God wants to take that, pick you up, take your testimony and your story, and just, boom, slaughter the devil, okay? Does that make sense? It just wreck the devil's plans in other people's lives too. So, oh, all of you, man. You got a special piece in this. I just got my braces off for the second time in my life. And, and I've, I've prayed, you know what, in my thankfulness list, you know what I wrote down last week? I even wrote down, God, I'm thankful for my orthodontists, both of them. <laughs> and I said, I also forgive them for making me get them twice, okay? So I actually had to deal with that in my heart. I was like, I'm not happy with my orthodontist right now, right? But it's interesting. Braces do something special, and, and Ty was actually talking about it in that video in Campfire Communities. God right now, I think he's got braces on the church. He's got braces on people. And people who maybe have been stationary, and they haven't been connected to who they're supposed to be, and I think right now we're in a season of time that God's actually beginning to move and shift people, and that's not comfortable sometimes. But as you allow God to begin to move you and shift you, connect you with the people next to you who you're supposed to be connected with, you're going to see something really, really special happen. And I think God's kingdom is going to advance in a powerful way. So I don't know where that came from. Amen. Should we get to the message? <laughs> that was part of it. That was the first. I got... Oh, I got four pages. That was that part. So, help me, Lord. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm not going to do all these. God is so good. Have you ever had a moment um, with a friend or 
yeah, let's say with a friend, where it was like a moment of just deeper connection. It was like all of a sudden our friendship like broke through into a new, I feel so close to you. Raise your hand if you ever had that. Now tell somebody about it in 10 seconds, okay? Tell them who it was or, or what it was that, that sort of caused that to happen. If you're by somebody, just quick tell them. I said 10 seconds, that's really short. <laughs> 20. Okay. I call those moments like defining moments. Defining moments for the relationship. And to me what happens in those moments is this. That can either become a nice connection that I once had with a person that I can look back on and say, oh, that was so nice when we were that close. Or it becomes a launch pad for our new, closer, deeper relationship, right? I think it's the same way with God. I want to talk about some defining moments that I had with God um, just a few weeks ago. And it was when Brad was here. I, I maybe shared this a couple weeks ago, I don't remember. But the biggest message that I heard Brad preach when he was with us was not when he was preaching. It was the way he cherished God's presence. It was the way that he put the presence of God first above everything else. Tuesday night, we had our young adult service. This was a few weeks ago when Brad was with us. I know there were even people who came to that service just because Brad was there. It was like, we're excited to hear a message from Brad. And Brad never preached. We ended up in worship for three hours, sitting around here on the floor. And the biggest message was, wow, I'm, I remember what this is about. This is about me loving Jesus. Do you remember when Brad said a few Sundays ago, he said, I'm afraid that, he said, I love, I love thinking about how much God loves us, but I'm afraid that we focus so much on how much God loves us that we don't love God back. And he said, taking love from God isn't a relationship, it's just taking love from someone. I want to love God first. So God started to do a work in my heart. I call it like a first love move inside of my life of returning again to the thing that matters. How did we even, why are we here? How did you end up here? It's probably because at some point in your life, Jesus came in and changed you and touched you. And he was your first love. It was Jesus. And I think this is all connected to a first love and returning to a first love, that Jesus is all that matters. That Jesus is all that matters. I want to read just two scriptures, Proverbs 25.2. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. I want to talk about the pursuit of Jesus. If this message had a title, it's called Catch Me If You Can. 1 Kings 19, if you've got a Bible, you can flip there. It's going to be on the screen as well. 1 Kings 19 I'm starting in verse 9. To preface this passage, Elijah just fleed from his enemy, okay? So he's got people out to kill him, the prophet Elijah. And you're going to see kind of the state that he's in, 1 Kings 19. 
So here he is in a cave. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appears to, to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Let's pause. There's two, I think, unique things that happen here. Number one, God calls Elijah to the mountain. God calls Elijah to the mountain. I think God calls us to the mountain as well. You've probably heard of like mountaintop experience, right? Like when you are, it's just, whoa. I know as a kid, it's like you go to Bible camp and you just, you're so fired up. That's your mountaintop experience. You come home, you're like, my life's going to be so different from this point. I just, I'm so in love with God. And then you come down the mountain because you don't know how to sustain it, right? It's like, oh man, that's hard. So Elijah answers God's call to have the mountaintop experience. He's obedient to God. I think that's great. I think even just you being here, us showing up, is us saying, God, we respond to your call to the mountaintop. But I do believe every day of the week, God's calling us back to that mountaintop. What's that step of obedience? Another thing is this. Elijah's obedience to go where God had called him was only step one. And I think sometimes we stop there. It's like, oh, I had my encounter with God. I had my moment with Jesus. Yay, I did it. You throw a party for yourself, like, I had an encounter with God. This is amazing. But that was only the very beginning of Elijah's job. So pick up in verse 14 again. Elijah's job from that point was actually to become even more attentive to God and to what God was doing. Catch me if you can. Verse 14, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet." Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Pause. So what happens? Elijah has his mountaintop. God speaks. A lot of us stop there. Like, yay, God spoke to me. This is epic. But that wasn't the point. God was trying to move Elijah actually into his destiny, which was to go and anoint the ones who would succeed him. So Elijah has the encounter with God, but he leaves with a greater attentiveness to the Lord's voice than before. So I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to take us from a mountaintop experience with God into 
writing history with God. Do you realize that it was on that mountaintop that Elijah was told to anoint Elisha? Do you realize who Elisha is? He's the one who ended up with a double portion of what Elijah carried. Epic. What if Elijah hadn't heard God's voice in the wind? What if Elijah hadn't even gone to the mountaintop? What if Elijah saw the earthquake and thought, oh, this must be God. He goes out of the cave, hears nothing, so he leaves. Or he saw the fire and was like, oh, this, this must be God. He sees nothing, he gets tired, he's like, this is pointless, God. Like, I'm out of here, you're not speaking. But God actually had him wait through the wind, through the earthquake, through the fire, until finally the whisper came, and it says God was in the whisper. So I think sometimes we limit our capacity to seek God to such a small amount that it's like, I'm tired after the wind came. The wind comes, I'm like, I think God's going to speak. I didn't really get anything. I think I'm done. I'll see you again next week, God. <laughs> right? Like, I'm, kinda, I'm done seeking for now. But I, I believe we're called to press in past our current capacity into what God has. That Tuesday night, my goodness, it was like, we went through an hour of worship, and you could feel everybody in the room kind of like going like, okay, we're ready for the next thing. And then we went back into worship, and it took probably 20 minutes for people to get convinced like, I guess we're actually going to worship now. Here we go again, right? Press in again. That next hour finished. You could feel it kind of maybe lift again. It was like, okay, I think Brad's going to speak. Let's move on to the next thing. Maybe 15 minutes later, people sort of gave in again. Like, oh, I guess it is all about you, Jesus. I'll wait another hour. God's been challenging me in this. And I believe that his glory, I've heard it said that his glory comes in waves. And I've experienced it now. I wait, and he shows up, and often I'm satisfied with just that little piece, and I say, thanks, God, I'm out, but as I wait again, it's like he comes stronger the next time, and I wait again. He comes stronger the next time. Elijah caught God's voice in the whisper. He caught God's voice in the whisper. Anybody go Black Friday shopping? Yeah? Did anybody have any... You know, you weren't involved in any tramples, I hope, this year. <laughs> that's always scary if you YouTube that stuff. That's, that's really crazy. But if you're a Black Friday shopper, you're on a mission, right? You've got a pursuit. You know what you want to get, and you're going to get there in time to get it. And I love that pursuit. Any hunters in here? You've been out hunting? Yeah, okay. I just had a friend, my friend Aaron, telling me about his hunting trip, and I'm, I don't come from that well, it's in my heritage. I just don't do it. My grandpa and his, you know, some of the older cousins who do it. But my friend Aaron was telling me about his hunting. Like, they're out on the lake and it's frozen over already. And the boat's like going through the ice. And like, they'd hit a spot where the boat came up on the ice. And it was like, uh-oh, we're not going. So everybody would run to the back of the boat and then run to the front and like jump on the front of the boat. And it crushes the ice and they keep going. That's like crazy to me. And then my friend's telling me, if you're a hunter, I guess you get it and you like this stuff. It's like, oh, this is my favorite time of the year. I get up at like two. We go out and it's like negative five and we're out there for like 12 hours and it's so fun. <laughs> I don't get that. But that's a pursuit. That's a big time pursuit. A friend of mine just told me a story about a 
hunter he knows who took an eight-week hunting trip to Africa to hunt a leopard. He always wanted to shoot a leopard. Eight weeks. Now, the price of this with, with the guide he was with was $1,500 a day. And he planned an eight-week trip, okay? This is insane. That's so much money, but that was his dream. You can do the math. That's a lot of money. So the guy goes. He's excited. He's like, this is what I've been wanting for years. I'm going to get my leopard. This is not a joke. He gets seven weeks in. He still doesn't have one. Right? So if you're going, you got money for eight weeks, you're probably hoping, like, maybe in two weeks this will be over. And then I'll, like, go buy a Mercedes-Benz when I get back over something. No, with the extra money. No. But seven weeks goes by nothing. It is the final night, and he still has not shot it. This is mind-blowing to me. The guy's a Christian, and he says, God, I don't get this. I am, like, so frustrated. This is what I wanted. But he says, if you don't want me to get a leopard, that's okay. I'm okay with what you want from me. $70,000 later or whatever, that night, I'll just end the story there. I'll just end the story there. (laughs) Okay, okay, 84,000, thank you. That's a huge thing for me. Am I okay with what God wants? Do I trust him enough to say, God, if this is what you have for me, then that's what I want too? That's a big move. That's a really big move. That night at 2 a.m., and their flight left at 7 a.m. to come back to the States. At 2 a.m., one of their sensors goes off, that there's some motion nearby. And no joke, it's like that was the night that they got it. In the final four hours, it's like he shot his leopard, he left a victor, right? They, like, do whatever they do with it, and he jumps on the plane. I don't know how they get it back. Do you just buy a, a business or a business class seat for that thing? I don't really know how that would work. <laughs> like, the first class, or I don't know. One of those beds that lays out, maybe. I'm not sure how that works. But, um, but he got it. He actually got it. But there's something so powerful about that story to me. That's a man who's on a mission, That's a pursuit of this is what I want, and I'm going to get it. And I wish I had, and I hope that I get more, that sort of tenacious desire inside of me for Jesus. Because I would love to walk that out even better than I do today, tomorrow. That I'm so focused on what I want and on on catching what Jesus is doing and saying. We were out to eat with Brad after the tribe that night. And at the dinner table, he said a really short table prayer. And we lifted our heads and and said amen. And across from me, Brad was still just sitting with his hands out. And it was in that moment, he said, he said, oh, he said, Jesus. And he said, "I've I've let a lot of meals go cold in my life. He was connecting with the presence of Jesus. 
And I realized at that moment, wait, I'm on the other side of the table. I'm like, wait, I felt Jesus too, but you did something I didn't. You caught it. You became aware of it. You waited with Jesus. I didn't. I experienced him, but I didn't wait with him. Do we have that sort of tuning where we're so tuned in to what Jesus is doing and saying that it's like in a moment's notice, is it a conversation? Is it at the dinner table? Is it in the car? That is it him speaking through the billboard you drive by? Is it him speaking through the license plate in front? It doesn't matter. God's so much bigger than all this, you guys. He can use anything. But are we able to tune in and when Jesus' presence comes even just the tiniest bit that I can say, like, I caught him. Like, I found him. I'm going to lean into this just for a minute. I'm going to wait with you just a minute. It's that sort of sensitivity that I think he's looking for. It's a hot pursuit, but it's the ability when we catch him and when we just get a little glimpse to say, he's here. He's doing something. He's moving. This is maybe the silliest sounding revelation. I'm going to share two. At school that week, we were worshiping. School went an hour and a half later. And we were worshiping at discipleship school. And about 45 minutes to an hour in, it was like I had an encounter with Jesus. And I think we use the word encounter so loosely that we've actually watered down what that even means. But I encountered Jesus in a deeper way than I had in a long time. As I'm sitting at the keys singing out, Abba, I belong to you. It was like the wave of his presence began to just roll in. Abba, I belong to you. And for me, it was like I had waited in the place of, I don't feel anything, God, but I'm going to seek you. And it was this moment that in God's sovereignty, it's like he chose to touch down in a fresh way. And I begin to honestly like weep and shake over the keys to the point of like, I can't sing anymore as I'm like crying, bawling, and like shaking over the keys. And in that place, I heard God say, nothing can separate you from my love. And I actually saw myself in what I consider some of my worst moments, where I feel like, God, I sinned against you. I am so sorry. I saw in my mind a picture of that, and I saw Jesus standing next to me in that place saying, I love you, Chris. And that began to just wash over me. The next night, as I'm talking with a friend about what God had been speaking, we both begin to cry And it's like the presence comes in again. And I feel God moving again, saying, it's like he showed me a glimpse of the future, of all that I'm going to do with him. It was like, God, this is amazing. And I started asking, like, why did you choose me, God? Like, why did you choose me? And we can all ask that. Everyone in here has a destiny that God's going to pull you into. It's like, why did you choose me, God? After an hour of this, talking and sharing and crying, and the, it was like the glory just kept, it would come in and it would, it would hit, and then it would hit again, and it would hit again. 
It's like I got up to use the bathroom, I'm washing my hands in front of the mirror, and I thought at that point, like an hour in, I'm like, that was awesome, like thank you for that, God. I looked in the mirror and smiled as I'm washing my hands, and this is the silliest revelation, but it hit me so hard. As I looked in the mirror, I heard in my head, he is real. And I begin to just cry over the sink, like, as a reality of God, the creator of the universe, and like the lover of my soul, begin to hit me again, like, God, I'm not in this for ministry. I'm not in this for my glory. I'm not in this to use my gifts. I'm in this because you're real, and you so desire to speak to me in this way all the time. All the time. That I could lean in and catch it. I so believe God's bringing us each into an upgrade. From that place, I determined in my heart that I didn't want yesterday's encounter to just become a testimony of something God once did in my life. I wanted it to become a prophecy of the greater things that God's about to do. And as I begin to share that with people, this is not about me, and it's, not, it's never about us. But when you start being used by God, people are going to look at you like, like, oh, you think you're all that. They might. And it's not about you. It's not about me. But let God use you in ways that cause people to look. Because as I begin to share it with a few other friends, they legitimately that week had encounters with God like they haven't had in ages or ever. So I'm like, Jesus, this became my prayer. Jesus, multiply it. And I pray that that's your prayer. Whatever he does in your life, it's like, Jesus, multiply it. I don't want to end it on the mountaintop when you said, no, go back where you came, anoint these ones. Let them have a double portion of what you had. So I pray that that's your prayer. Encounter him on the mountaintop. And then say, Jesus, multiply it. Multiply my encounter. And I just pray you're stirred this morning, you guys. If there's one takeaway, it's this. Begin to ask God every day, and I pray we all would do this. Begin to ask him just this one question, wherever you are. God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? We're so good at looking at the lack. I can look at one thing in my life and say, well, I know God's moving in church. What about like in my family? We make weird divides where we see lack. We see, it looks like you're not doing anything, God. But if here's my family, and it looks like God's not doing anything, but I can catch this one little point that he's doing and say, thank you, Jesus. You are moving. I want to work with you in this. Soon, that point fills the whole circle, right? So I think as we begin to focus on, God, what are you doing? And I pray you'd ask that. Let's all say that right now. God, what are you doing? Say it again. God, what are you doing? Ask yourself that. Ask him that in every moment and every place you go this week. Begin to make that a daily practice. Tune in with hot pursuit and then listen for the whisper of his voice. Let's stand up and pray. I'm going to pray. And then once we give the words of knowledge and, and invite people up for prayer, then if we could move at that point, this will just be a minute. But let's just lean into this. Father, we just lean into your presence. And Jesus, I thank you that you're here. Lord, you're calling us to a place of first love. 
God, you're calling us to a place of raising the bar of what's normal. And Jesus, it's not something we need to strive to achieve, God. Your kingdom's advancing in force, Lord, and it's not slowing down. So God, I pray that we would just let go and let you do it, Father. Let you do it in our lives. God, I pray that we'd let go of things that are holding us down and actually inhibiting your kingdom from coming forth. And Jesus, I really pray for a sensitivity in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, God, that we would so tune into you, Father, that we would press on towards you in such a tenacious way, Lord God, daily, Father, that we would find time with you. And God, even through our day, Lord, that we would look for ways that you're speaking, that we would be leaning in, just eager to hear your voice, Jesus. I thank you that there's no law against love. There's no law against loving you, against desiring to have you speak, Lord. And I pray that you would just bring us all into a place of, of that, God, of just freely pursuing you. God, I pray that lives in here, Lord, would begin to look so different. And Jesus, that you would flow through lives, God, in greater power, Lord, even this week as we just begin to take a simple step and ask you, God, what are you doing here? Father, as we focus on that, as we join in that with what you're doing, Lord, as we celebrate what you're already doing, God, in these different areas of our lives. So, Lord, I release mountaintop experience, Father, in Jesus' name. God, that you would bring people to the mountaintop, Father. I pray that we would sacrifice to go to the mountaintop, Lord. I pray that we would sacrifice our time. We would sacrifice our meals. We would sacrifice our sleep, Father. We'd sacrifice the pointless things that distract us, God, to go to the mountaintop with you, Lord. Because it's there we're going to see our instructions, Father. It's there we're going to hear your voice. It's there we're going to encounter you, God. And that's where we're going to advance your kingdom from. So I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this church, Lord. I pray you just continue stirring a great, great work inside of us, God. And we just love you, Lord. Just be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday services at 9 or 10.45 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.